One of the things that Emily has taught me is that there are a variety of reasons to cry. There is the, the first and most obvious physical pain. There is emotional pain. There's not understanding what's going on inside of us, but at least crying seems to make some sort of sense. There's crying because others are doing so. There's crying because of a deep felt loss. And then there's just crying because there was a cute dog on a car commercial. <laughs> this is helpful to me because it's very different from what I was taught about crying. Crying is what you did when you wanted to appear weak, when you wanted to drive people away, when you wanted to prove that you weren't a real man, whatever it is that that means. And so it's been helpful for me to learn about this because crying is so vital, I've been realizing. It's loud, it's messy, and I think it's that way by design. It signals to other people that we need help. Like an alarm going off within us, it shows that we need people to come alongside of us at this time. And so crying has a very important part. But I think too many of us respond in the same way that I was taught when it comes to finding our greatest source of help, when it comes to crying out to the one that we need the most with God. When we are experiencing the pain of this world, it seems like we do whatever we can to stop ourselves from crying. We uh, try to clean up the language of our prayers so God doesn't see just how far gone we are as if he didn't know everything. When we come along other Christians, we smile and we sing happy songs because everyone else seems to have it all together. We must be the only ones who are messed up. We try to find the silver lining in everything because we read that verse, God works all things for good, which is true, but somehow we've taken that to mean all things must be good. And so we ignore that there's pain and we just say things are fine even when they're not. And this is why I'm so grateful for this series, where we are looking at the passages that we need to go to time and time again, that God continues to draw us back to. Last week, we talked about Mark 5 and about how much Jesus cares for us, but this week is similar in a, in a sense, because what do we do when it feels like Jesus doesn't care? How do we respond? Most of us seem to respond in one of two ways. It's like what I said, we, we are cleaning ourselves up, we're pretending everything's fine. God is, is so holy that we can't bug him with things like this, our prayers seem to say. Or there's others of us who just never move past the despair of it all. Everything is awful and we never get past the crying of it. But I don't think those are our, two only, our only two options because I think God gives us a better way and that is lament. It's probably bad form to tell you where you can find a better version of everything that I'm about to say today, but I am really grateful for this book. It's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Vogrup. I'm trying really hard to get his last name right, but I'm failing at it. Uh, I picked this book up at a conference, and uh, Emily and I were going on vacation, so I thought I'd bring it with me, because who doesn't like a little light reading on Lament? <laughs> I apologize to the people in that mountain town in California. Apparently crying in a coffee shop makes people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> but I'm so grateful for this book because it's helped me see what lament is, what the purpose of lament is, and how we can do it. 
There is a, a simple yet really jam-packed definition that Mark Vogrup gives on what lament is. He says, uh, lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. So as we are people who sit in the middle of those two things, God is good, but this world is broken, we are called to lament. And we do know that. God is good. That's why we go to Him when we experience pain. We know God is faithful. That's why we ask for His help. We know that we can trust in God. And yet this world is not those things. The people in this world are not those things. This is a very broken world, and by us being in proximity to broken things, it should be no surprise that we come away hurt often. So how do we respond to that? I said we often have these two approaches. There's the, uh, everything is fine, just smile and don't make waves. But this says something about God. It says God is too remote, too removed to care about anything that's going on down here. There's the other response where it's all pain and all despair, which says something about God. It says, God doesn't care that we are experiencing hardship. Both have a low view of God, either doubting his compassion or his ability. But there is a different way, and that is lament. Nearly a third of the 150 psalms in the Psalms, in the book of Psalms, in the Psalter, are laments. There's an entire book called Lamentations, uh, let alone all the parts of the Old and New Testaments that have to be described as at least lamenty. And so it takes a, a tremendous amount of disbelief in God's word to not see lament as a gift that's given to us. How we reconcile this broken world with a good God. How we, we respond to him out of our pains and our hurts in this world. And that is we lament as people who are sitting between those two truths, the paradox of God is good and this world is broken. And so I want to spend this time talking about how do we lament? How are we to do that? How are we to live in that spot? God is good, this world is broken. How do we live in that place? And that is we lament. So Mark, uh, our good friend, Pastor Mark, uh, gives four structures, four pieces that all lament walks through. Lament starts with turning to God, then bringing complaint, asking boldly, and then choosing to trust. So as we go through lament in our lives, as we look at laments in the Bible, they all, almost all of them seem to follow the structure. Turn to God, bring your complaint, ask boldly, and choose to trust. In this summer playlist, in the passage that has been so impactful to me, we are going to look at a particular lament, Psalm 42. And as we work through Psalm 42, which God has often used in my life to help me in the process of lament, we will see each of these four steps. So all laments start in that first place of choosing to trust. And we see that in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. I'm sorry, the uh, first step is turn to God, which is to address God as we come to him as prayer. This is what the first two verses say. It says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The first step of lament is turning to God, and we see that many times in the, these first two verses. 
In almost all of the laments, even the ones that start off with the most severe language, they still have something to the effect of, how long, O Lord? And it's that phrase that's so important. It's the including of God in the process of lament that is so vital because lament still requires faith. So lament still requires trust and knowing that God loves us so deeply despite what's going on around us right now. The passage says, As a deer pants for water, so my soul pants, so my soul thirsts for you. No one has to teach an animal to become thirsty. No one teaches a deer to go and find satisfaction and relief in water. In the same way, we have a part that is in us that craves satisfaction from our creator and sustainer. And not just a reliance that we are dependent on him for all things, but that God is a source of joy for us. Water does so much more than just relieve any thirst, but it is also nourishment God, in the same way, relieves what we have in our lives, but provides us with so much more nourishment and good than that. And that's what we see in the psalm of turning to God, of saying, this world is so broken, but I am coming to you in it. Already, this might make us a little bit uncomfortable. Can I really be that honest with God? This holy God, can I come to him with my little problems? And again, I think it takes a tremendous amount of disbelief in God to give him the silent treatment. God invites us to come to him. God invites us to bring all things to him because the alternative is what? That we seek out of our own power to fix things. That we seek out of our own minds to make sense of everything else. That we seek to be God ourselves. So God says, come to me. Bring your pain, bring your hurts, bring your isolation and loneliness, bring the injustices that you are seeing or experiencing. Bring those to me, God says. So the first step of lament, of when we are sitting between those two things that we see as true of this world, God is good, this world is broken. The first thing that we do in reconciling those is we turn to God. The second part of lament is that we bring our complaint. Uh, Mark Vogrup says, this is identifying in blunt language the, the specific pain or injustices that we are experiencing and living through. And we see this in Psalm 42 as well. The, the author goes through some of these pains and experiences. Look at verse 3. It says, my tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in possession, procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Bringing complaint continues in verse 9. It says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? And here we see the source of the pain that the psalmist is going through. It seems for some reason that there is something that's keeping them from going to the temple, going to worship God in the way that they remember. I remember the throng of people leading in the procession. 
It says at the end, I will come again to God. There's something keeping them away from the relationship that they know and remember of having with God. So we can maybe guess this might have been written in the time of the exile. After Jerusalem is destroyed, when Israel is is, uh, foreigners in a strange land, looking back at what was and now facing mocking and ridicule, where is your God? Verse 9 takes it just a little bit step further where those mocking questions start to become a little bit internalized, saying, yes, where are you, God? Why have you forgotten me? Because of all of this pain, the author uses very blunt language. My tears are my food. There is a lot of complaint in this passage. Just this past week, as I was working on this message, uh, Dwayne Ortland, he's a pastor and an author, he wrote an article on the Gospel Coalition, a website that I like to go to frequently, on Psalm 42, on this very passage. And this is what he said about bringing complaint. I think he captures it really well. He says, at such a moment of trial, we are forced into one of two positions, either cynicism and coldness of heart or true depth with God. A spouse betrays, a habitual sin left unchecked blows up in our face. We are publicly shamed in some way that will haunt us as long as we live. A malignant and operable tumor, profound disillusionment in some way. It all feels like a deadly wound in my bones, which we see in verse 10. So as we are confronted with the pains of this world, we have two options. Will we steer further into despair or will we choose to turn to God? And we can always see when people are making these decisions. There is a difference between crying out, God doesn't care, and crying to God, you don't care. Do you see the difference? There's a reason why the first step of lament is turning to God. Because we are invited to come and bring our hurts to Him It is as we are turning to him that we are lamenting. As we are bringing our our complaint to him, that's when we are lamenting. But still, this makes us uncomfortable. In those times when we surprise ourselves or we are surprised by other people with the language that they're using, who out of their pain are saying things that are not true, God doesn't care. God is not there. God has forgotten me. God must love watching me suffer. We hear these things and we know that they're not true because all of Scripture says the opposite. All of God's interactions with us say the opposite. But out of these moments of deep pain, we speak out of our feeling rather than our knowledge. We speak from our hearts rather than our heads, and our hearts are heretics. This is what's so beautiful of lament. God says, bring it to me. Bring your complaint to me. Voice it in even blunt language to go to the God of the universe to bring whatever is hurting or ailing us, to bring whatever we see is wrong in this world to God himself. And how do we know that? How do we know that we are given permission to do that? Where does every single one of those complaints that I've just mentioned come from? It comes from the Bible. Still not convinced? One of the Psalms of Lament is Psalm 22, which starts with the the sentence, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And if that sounds familiar, it's because Matthew records those as Jesus' words from the cross, as he reckons with judgment on this broken world, as he goes to die the death for the very reason we lament. This world is not as it's supposed to be. As he models to us, lament. And this is why we turn to God. God is the one being who can act, who can make things right, but also who can sympathize, who paid this most heinous and and dreadful of costs so that we can know him, so that we can turn to him. As we are people sitting between a God who is good and a world that is broken, we can turn to God because of what he's done for us, because of what he did on the cross, because of what he continues to do. And so little old me can go to the God of the universe and say, things are not right. And even as that language is blunt, even if I'm saying things that are not theologically accurate, God says, bring it to me. You don't have to clean up your language. You don't have to cross-reference your feelings with books on theology. You just need to bring it to me. I have paid and taken so much worse for you So bring it to me. Bring your complaint. Now, we don't stay there. If all we get to is turning to God and complaining, that's not lament. That doesn't help. That's not how we reconcile these two things of a God that is good and a world that is broken. And we will continue to walk away with despair if we do not continue in the process of lament. So in lament, we turn to God, we bring our complaint, and we ask boldly, is what uh, Pastor Mark says. He says, specifically call on God to act in a manner that fits his character and resolves your complaint. Now, if you look through Psalm 42, you won't find a section that neatly falls under ask boldly. But I think there's a good reason to read Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 together. They share similar language. For example, they both say, uh, why you cast down, O my soul. They share similar themes. Uh, the Hebrews used to read these together, uh, at times even having them as one psalm. The church has historically read them together. So I think we can read Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 together. And Psalm 43 starts off with a bold request. And this is what it says. In verse 1, it says, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. Vindicate me, deliver me. After this writer turns to God, after they express their complaint, now comes the bold ask. And this almost always can be summarized in two words. Fix it. And seeing all the pain that is in this world, the loneliness, the injustice, the hurts, the despair of it, it is turning to the one God who can both act and sympathize and say, fix it. It does not align with who you are. It does not align with your plan for your people. So please fix it. The fourth step of lament is choosing to trust. And it is the most vital of all turning to God, bringing your complaint, boldly asking, now gets to choosing to trust, which is to affirm God's worthiness to be trusted and commit to praising him. We actually see this twice in Psalm 42. Let's pick it up in verse 5. 
It says, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. From the land of Jordan and of Hermon and Mount Miser, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is within me, a prayer to the God of my life. And then the psalmist ends Psalm 42 with this, repeating the words, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. In the midst of all of this hurt, the loneliness and isolation, the heartbreak and pain, how will we respond? Will we continue to trust the God who has always been faithful, or will we abandon God feeling that he has first abandoned us. And this is what we see with the the psalmist who is experiencing all of this pain. It's not saying, oh, this pain isn't real. It's not minimizing what's going on, but it's saying, despite what is going on, I will choose to trust. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so severely upset? This image of like a soul being hunched over in pain, this isn't passive language. But it's saying, why is that going on? Not that there's no pain, but there is something better. Hope in God, my salvation and my God. It's not denying what is going on around us, but it is recognizing that the God who cares for his people cares for his people. And this is the most vital part of lament because without it, we are complaining. Without it, we are asking. Without it, we are not going again to the source of how we can find relief, choosing to trust in God. And this shift in laments almost always comes with such a vital word, but, and, yet. There's so much that is broken in this world, but... I will continue to trust you. I feel so much sorrow, and I know you are with me. It feels like you abandoned me, yet I know you are always faithful. And the ultimate reason to do this, the ultimate reason to choose to trust is very clearly laid out in this psalm. I wonder if you saw it. In verse 4, These things I remember. And verse 6, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. And that's our series, right? This summer playlist that we're going through, recalling, remembering what God has done in the passages that he has used to so deeply impact us. Remembering is how we are able to choose to trust even when this world feels so broken, when we are sitting in between those two truths, God is good good, and this world is broken, it is so easy to go more and more into despair. And yet as we remember, as we go through the process of lament, we can continue to choose to trust in him despite what is going on around us. God has particularly done that for me in this psalm. 
and my process of lament, of working through hurts and seeing the pains that are in this world, God has continued to bring to mind Psalm 42 for me. In this series, we kind of picked the the passages that have been so impactful for us, and then they just kind of got plugged into the various Sundays that we were preaching. And this message was originally scheduled to be last week on Father's Day. And I was joking to people when I asked about making that change. Like, you know, we talked about suffering on Mother's Day. Maybe we can not do lament on Father's Day. Let's give dads a break. But I was being deceptive. And so I do want your forgiveness for that. I asked for this passage to, be, to get moved because if I was trying to preach on this on Father's Day, I wouldn't make it through the message. Why have you forgotten me? Why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away? These aren't hypotheticals. These aren't words on a page. These are my prayers. These are the things that I have said to God. And it's, it's so stupid, but uh, I, I go further than that. It's, God, I'm doing all this work for you, and you place such a good desire in Emily and me, and yet we are empty-handed, yet we're empty-armed. You are a cruel, cruel God. But God is always so graceful to me. God is always so faithful to me. And as I come to him with blunt language that is not true, as I speak from the heart rather than the head, he continues to show just how loving he is to me. And as I sit between a God that is good and a world that is broken, he continues to show time and time again just how good he is. At the end of each year on Spotify, there's this kind of year in review. What are the the top songs or artists or genres that you listened to in the past year? And every single year, I have the same song that's on the top every single year. It's a song called Satisfied in You by a band called The Sing Team. And, And it's them putting lyrics, or it's them grabbing the lyrics from this very passage itself. And so in the times that I am lamenting and I have the ask and the complain parts down, I'm doing those really well, and yet I'm struggling to choose to trust. It's been a song that's helped me in the process of lament. Can I read just the bridge for us, the words that have been so helpful for me in this process of lament? And this is what it says. It says, let my sighs give ways to songs that sing about your faithfulness. Let my pain reveal your glory as my only real rest. Let my losses show me all I truly have is you, because all I truly have is you. I am grateful for this song because it helps me in the process of lament. I am grateful for lament because it points me back to our good God. I am grateful for God of never leaving me to fend in this broken world on my own, but as the one being who can both act and sympathize, he does both those things. Not on our timing, nowhere close to our timing, but he does both those things. He acts and he sympathizes. So what do we do? 
What do we do with this as people who sit between a God that is good and a world that is broken? We lament. And I mean, we actually do this. It's in those times that we are so hurting, write out a prayer or just verbally pray out a prayer of lament following these four structures. Turn to God, bring your complaints, ask boldly, choose to trust. And in so we remember how good our God is. And so we remember how faithful he is. We remember that the God who has so lovingly cared for us did not change his nature overnight. And it can be as simple as this. God, I trust you in all things. This world is so broken. Bring people to know you. Punish those who are doing evil. Yet I will continue to wait and trust in you. Do you hear the four parts? As we craft our prayers, as we craft our laments in such a way as people who are sitting between those two things, let's continue to lament. Maybe we're not ready to do that. Maybe the the pain is just so hard that we're not able to put words to it ourselves. That's okay. There are almost 50 psalms of lament in the psalms. Maybe Psalm 42 can be one of yours as well, where we go to these songs of praise and lament for us to help give us the words that we're not ready to say for ourselves. So read through them. Find one that God continues to bring back to mind. If you pick up this book, which I think I should contribute to their sales with how impactful it has been, uh, you can see there's a Psalms of Lament. And so maybe it's for you, it's you go to Psalms 3 or 4 or 5 or 7 or 10 or 13. We can keep going for almost 50 of these. There are so many that God has given to us to give us the words that we are not yet ready to say ourselves. Maybe that is too difficult as well. We are still feeling so much pain and hurt that we can't even read about this. Maybe, like me, you have the ask and the complain portions down really well, but turning to God, choosing to trust, I can't even read about those words right now. So find someone to help complete the lament for you. Ask someone to come alongside of you in your life to help finish out this process as we are turning to God, as we are people living between a God that is good and a world that is so broken. And Calvary, let's be people who help others in this process, that we don't shy away from those who are experiencing the rawness of pain because we have been there. We don't wince at people using the very words that we find in the Bible, but instead let's come alongside those who are hurting and say, I will turn us to God. You can bring your complaint. We can ask together, and then I will be with you as we are choosing to trust God in this. I hear so often, I don't know what to say to someone when they're they're hurting so much. And it's this. We lament. We turn to God. We choose to trust. We turn to God. We bring our complaint. We ask boldly and we choose to trust. That's what we do when we are hurting. That's what we do when others are hurting. No one wants lament. No one prays that anyone becomes excellent at it. But how grateful are we to have it 
in times where this world just hurts and takes and feels so lonely and we walk away with so much despair. Lament is how we can sit in that pain and still recognize that God is so good. Lament is when our revealed pain helps reveal an even greater trust in a greater God. Lament is how we can go from feeling like our tears are our food to recognizing that we are satisfied in Him. Let me pray for us. Father, we are grateful that you are good. And we are grateful for those times when we question that you are good, when we question where we, you are, where we move from questioning to accusations, that you are not scared off, that you are not sending bolts of lightning as punishment, but you are saying, thank you for bringing that to me. Father, help us in these times that we are trying to reconcile a good God and a broken world to use the tools that you have given us, to use lament, to turn to you, to bring our complaints, to ask boldly, and to choose to trust in you. Help us to find people in our lives that can help complete that for us not to say empty platitudes or words that are not helpful, but to point us to the only source of help that we have in this world and the next, you. So it's to you and you alone we pray. Amen.